Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. After preaching about 1 Thessalonians 1 last fall, today Dave Stückelschweiger will continue in chapter 2 of that book. We will see how Paul found a thriving church in Athens that served as an example to others, and we will see how we are called to speak, not to please people, and, like Paul, to live lives that have impact on people in being gentle and living blamelessly. Now, let's listen to Dave. Okay, well, good morning. Glad I can be here, preach again. Um, today we're talking about First, first Thessalonians Chapter 2. And before we start, um, just a quick reminder for anyone that is a young adult, feels like a young adult, um, this Friday, like Philip said, we have the young adults meeting at Burgasse, um, and the topic this time will be um, different worldviews. Um, so depending on where you come from, uh, where your worldview is from, um, you might reach different conclusions. And so also for us as Christians, we have a very unique worldview in that we get our worldview from a book, from somewhere else. Um, but depending on which worldview you come from, you reach different conclusions in life. And that is something that we should be aware of and think about. And also, um, last week we started uh, this year's giving project. Um, so we give to two projects. One is the, the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, and the other one is in Cuba. Um, and last week we already started collecting, and, and I'm so glad to announce we we raised 415 euros just in the first week, so we'll keep on collecting this week and then the week after, and we will split the money between the two projects, so one part will go to the earthquake help, and then the other part will be for the churches in Cuba and the outreach that they do there. So I'm really encouraged um, that this is something that we also as a, as a church support, um, and also one thing that I'm glad is that um, we we're able to raise so much money as a church together and still the weekly giving to the church budget was the same. So, um, so I'm really encouraged to be part of a church like that where we also care about other areas and other Christians. But today we want to talk about 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And before I read, I would like to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to the church back then, but also to us as Grace Church and to us here in Vienna. Lord, I pray, help us to understand this passage. Lord, show us how to apply it in our daily lives, Lord, and give us the love and the compassion for the people around us, Lord. Thank you that you have entrusted us with the gospel. Um, and Lord, help us and show us ways how to share it with other people around us. Amen. And before we read, um, let me give you a little bit of background. Um, so, so I preached First uh, Thessalonians chapter one in, in fall, uh, but just to catch you up, um, it was during Paul's second missionary journey. So it was not just Paul; it was Paul, Silas, and Timothy, um, and and. <clears throat> And Luke, sometimes also he was on the uh, journey as well, because Luke, the, um, the writer of the Gospel of Luke, but also the writer of Acts, he sometimes writes about us and we, so we know he was part of that group as well, even though he doesn't mention himself very often. So during Paul's second missionary journey, they went all the way up to north of Turkey, um, and then it says that the Holy Spirit prompted them to cross over to Europe. Originally, I planned to stay in Turkey, but um, the Holy Spirit directed them to preach over to Europe um, and to start preaching there. And so the first church they, they were planting, or the first city they came to where they started to proclaim the gospel, 
was the church in Philippi. And so in Philippi, if you remember, um, is where, where Paul and Silas were put into prison because they were casting out a demon from uh, a poor lady. And they were put in prison, and then God freed them by bringing an earthquake. So that was Greece, not Turkey. But God brought an earthquake, um, and it destroyed the prison. And so if you remember, the prison guard wanted to kill himself because he thought everyone was uh, escaping, but nobody escaped. Um, And Paul and Silas were able to share the gospel. And the prison guard and his whole family became Christians. So that's kind of probably the start of the church in Philippi. They were still cast out, and the next church they went to, or the next city they went to, was the city of uh, Thessalonica, or Thessaloniki, whatever name you prefer. They all refer to the same city, which is a city in north of Greece. And there they read and explained the Old Testament to the Jews that met there, but after just three weeks, so we read, after just three Sabbaths, they had to leave because they were pushed out of the city. So after Thessalonica, they went to the next city and the next city. Um, and everywhere they went to, they were basically um, um, they were persecuted. So finally, Paul and Silas reached Athens. And there in Athens, they were worried about the church that they recently planted in Thessalonica. Because they were only there for three weeks. So for three weeks, they were able to build this church and encourage the Christians. And so they were worried that the church might have fallen into temptation, that they might have backslided, that they would do something else and go back to their old pagan or Jewish religion. However, when Timothy arrived there, he found that the church actually was thriving. Um, It was um, in a good and healthy state, and the people there were actually an example for all the Christians and churches around in this area. And so in, first, in the first chapter, Paul praises the church for their maturity and for the faith and the active results that they have and also how they became imitators of Christ. So let's read chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. For you yourself, yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts." For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like nursing mother taking care of her own children. So, being affectionately desirous of you, that we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. Your witnesses and God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. 
for you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you to his own kingdom and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is the word of the Lord. There is a theologian, his name is James Denny, <clears throat> and he said this about the character of a Christian. He said, the character of a Christian is the only capital that he has to fulfill his task. In most other professions, you can continue working no matter what type of character you have, as long as your bank account is right. But as a Christian, if you have lost your character, you have lost everything. <clears throat> and so in First Thessalonians chapter 2, what we basically see is a character study. The Apostle Paul, he talks about which kind of character we need to have in order for the gospel to reach people. He talks about the kind of character that they had um, and that being an example for us. And he starts with this. He reminds them in verse 1, For you yourself know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. See, everything that follows, the next few verses, they all talk about this one point. It talks about this point that they're living, the time that they lived in Thessalonica was not in vain, that it was fruitful, that it produced something. So why is that important? It's because Paul encourages them to follow his example. He encourages them to be active um, and encourages them to be a living sacrifice that is not in vain. A sacrifice that in a way benefits other people. See, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, the three of them, maybe some more missionaries we don't know, but definitely the three of them, they were in this city for only three weeks. But the church was established in this time. A church that we now read of became an example to all believers in all of the area of Eastern Greece. And while we read through the many instructions of how to live a sacrificial life, we see that, that what we do is not in vain. Because what we do here on this earth, what we do here in this city, um, matters. I sometimes wonder about myself, or also maybe you do the same. Um, do you see the impact you have as a Christian on the people around you? Do you ever wonder how your life as a Christian here in Vienna, at your work, at wherever neighborhood you live... How your life as a Christian impacts the people around you. So let's move to verse 2. It says, But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. See, Paul talks about their own struggles. They had a hard time in Philippi. Like we said, um, they suffered, they were unfairly treated. Um, Paul and Silas were in prison. Timothy was not. But why? Why did all of that happen? They were put in prison and they were whipped and flogged because they were helping somebody else. They were casting out a demon um, of a woman who was possessed by demons so that she could tell the, um, the future. And so they were helping this woman and because of that, they were persecuted. And like they said, they suffered, they were shamefully treated because of the gospel. But still, they had boldness. So how does somebody have boldness when situations like that come? The thing is, when we see here is that Paul um, did not have boldness out of his own strength. And because he was such a bold person. 
he was also maybe, um, but uh, he writes about here is the boldness that he has in our God. And boldness means to have courage when it comes hard um, to go and do something and not show signs of fear. So he knew, um, he knew that going into the city, um, that God would not protect him from evil. Sometimes we as Christians, we are bold, we go out, we believe that if we pray and if we um, do the right thing, if we work for God, then he will protect us from all evil and nothing will happen. And then we read stories about missionaries that go to a really far country and then maybe they're killed and we don't understand why God would let, them ha- would let this happen to them. But what we see here is that he had boldness in God because he walked with the Lord, even um, if difficulties happen, even if he might be killed, because um, that was always an option for him. So he had boldness in the Lord. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I would love to be more bold in sharing the gospel. It's probably not something that I am the most gifted in. Some of us, we like to do that more than others. But one thing that is uh, encouraging for me is to see that it's actually God who gives who gave Paul boldness. And it's the same God who can give you and I the boldness that we need to share the gospel. And then it continues in verse 3. They say, For our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive. See, here it talks about the content of his proclamation. Um, His proclamation, the gospel, has no error. Um, The way to do it has no impurity and no attempt to deceive. See, Paul and Silas, they were not just, they were proclaiming the truth. They were not just proclaiming something that they heard of, something that they saw on a video or something that they um, could come up by themselves. But they knew that what they were proclaiming is the ultimate truth. They knew that what they were proclaiming is the truth, the gospel that comes from the Lord. And what they were sharing also is a pure gospel. Um, They did not add anything and what they thought was important. They did not leave anything out that is part of the gospel. The second thing is um, what the way they claimed is was pure. There was no impurity in their motives. Um, They didn't want to get anything out of it. They did not look for the fame or recognition from other people. Um, But for them, it was about sharing the good news. And also, they didn't have any attempt to deceive. See, sometimes as Christians, we might be tempted to come up with a good way or a better way to present the gospel. We might be tempted to evangelize, leaving certain things out, because we think that the way God is maybe um, portrait in one verse or another um, is not the best. And so we try to um, come up with a better way of uh, declaring. We might be tempted to come up with a better way of um, declaring the gospel. But they did not have any attempt to deceive. They shared the gospel um, the way it is. And so in verse 4 it says, But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. See, Paul, he knew they were stewards of something very important. He knew that the gospel was something that God gave. It was like uh, a treasure um, that we read of. It was like a treasure that God gave them that they were stewards of. And it was their job to take this treasure throughout the earth and distribute it to other people. 
This chapter is also about their example for the church in Thessalonica, which means in some way um, that um, Paul encourages them, and, and not just encourages them, but he tells them that they also have the same treasure, that they also are stewards, that God has entrusted them, that God trusts them with something very important. And because the New Testament is also written for us, it means that we as the same we also we same thing we have been entrusted with the treasure and we have been um, called to be good stewards and to share what we have see a steward does not own it Um, a steward does not own a gift but he actually works for somebody else and the gospel is not our gospel it's god's gospel it's god's good news but we are stewards and we're called to live according to um, god's plan and to be stewards and share what he has given us and so Paul continues, he says, and so we speak. I think it's important to know and see here that so we speak um, means there is a direct consequence. Because God has entrusted him, because God views him worthy of having this treasure, and because God views him as a steward, because of all of that, the direct consequence is that he has to speak. And the same way for the church in, in Thessaloniki, but the same way also for the church here in Vienna, for us as Christians, wherever we are, because God has entrusted us with the gospel, um, because of that, we are called to speak. And so how do we speak? We speak not to please men, but to please God who tests our hearts. See, that can be hard at times. Um, we don't... St- like to uh, to to or we often don't uh, we often speak to please humans at least i sometimes do, or often do that um, when we proclaim the gospel we might be afraid of the people around us um, we might not say anything at times but here paul says and calls us to do um, to preach the gospel in a way that pleases god more than it pleases humans so when we teach do we sometimes avoid to use stir away from the unpleasant topics When we have small group, do we kind of stir away from the uncomfortable topics that we should address? Um, Do we maybe not address certain sins because it would make somebody in the church or would make ourselves feel uncomfortable? So Paul and uh, and the others, they were not afraid of that. Um, And they say and continue in verse 5, For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed, and God is our witness. They didn't try to flatter anyone. They were not impressed with the rich or influential. They did not not treat anybody differently. But instead, they proclaimed the pure gospel. And another thing is they were not um, greedy. See, greed is sometimes something that's hard to spot. Um, um, Even uh, because it's something that is deep down in the heart. And so Paul... He actually calls God to be his witness. He says, when I went out to be a missionary, when I went out to be a missionary in your town, I did not have any greedy motives. He says, God is my witness because God knows my heart. I was not greedy. I was not trying to get anything out of it. Not fame, not money, no anything. Um, I went out with a pure heart. And so in verse 6, he continues. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. See, they didn't look for the praise of people. Um, 
not just and, and praise here and, and glory is not just about the praise about people speaking well of you. Um, but glory here also means an honor in a way of a, like a financial honor. So they as apostles knew that they would be worthy of financial support. Um, so even in the Old Testament, it says that the ones they teach you, they should be paid. In the New Testament, it says that the one that teach the word, you should let them um, uh, also, you should share also what you have with them. And so in Paul and, and the others, they knew that as apostles, that is something that they well, would be allowed to receive. Um, but they did not do that. Um, instead of taking um, money from others, they worked for themselves, as we see later. They didn't seek money or they didn't receive any, um, anything from the church there because they were not in it for the money. So I guess in Austria, um, there's not a lot of money to be made as a pastor. We probably all know that. Um, it's hard to find pastors there. Um, but also for us ourselves, when we think about the motives, why we do something in church, why we maybe go on a mission trip, why we go somewhere else, do we do it with a pure heart? Do we do it to please God? Or is there also maybe a not-so-good motive because we try to get the recognition of others? We like others to think of us as better Christians, which is not a good thing. But instead, um, go for and aim for pleasing the Lord. And then how should we treat others? The next few verses talk about practical things, how we as Christians are called to treat the people around us. In verse 7 it says, But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, that we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Being gentle is very unusual nowadays. I, I would say it's probably something that we like to see at home, in, in a relationship, maybe in a family, but it's not something that we would use very often to describe our interaction with a random person on the street or with a stranger, maybe with a work colleague. Um, it's often not something that we aim for, especially among strangers. When we remember Paul and, and, and Silas, Timothy, they were in Thessalonica for three weeks. So they barely knew the people, but still the people could see that they were gentle with them. And also an interesting thing is he compares himself to a nursing mother caring for her children. He cared for the Thessalonians just like a mother cares for children, just like a mother protects and nurtures um, and make sure that the child grows up well. And I would say here is an interesting comparison because the New Testament often talks about um, nurturing or about food uh, when it refers to spiritual um, food. Uh, and in the same way, Paul and Timothy and Silas were caring for the young Christians there by feeding them, by feeding them um, spiritual food, by giving them the gospel. But not just that. They also shared their lives and their worldly food and possessions. And there's also one thing we shouldn't forget. Um, in this whole time, they are talking basically to them as, as an outreach opportunity. So um, 
when they were there for three weeks, um, they did not have a lot of time to become best friends with all of their neighbors. But they were basically there for a three-week outreach. So that is like nowadays speaking, that is like a short or medium-long mission trip. But also in that short time, they were caring about their neighbors, about the people there, um, about the Jews that already lived there, um, just like a mother cares for her own children. So remember also this picture of uh, a caring and feeding mother because we will need it later. And then Paul continues and says, he was so being affectionately desirous of you. It's a very strong language for caring about somebody you've only met recently. But very strong language about caring um, about somebody who's uh, basically uh, a neighbor, somebody who you've only known for, I don't know, two or three weeks. But it also, I would say, it's also something that we don't naturally have. Um, You might find somebody that you really get along really well, you develop a deep friendship, and then um, you care about them very deeply. When they don't feel well, you follow up with them. Um, If they need money, you got them covered, of course. But if you only know somebody for three weeks, that is a very deep love. Um, And I would say, and I would argue, it's also probably love that is more supernatural than natural. I would believe and I would argue that the love that they had for the people that they were ministering to is not something that they had just because they were so loving people, um, but it is something that God gave them, a very deep love for the people in Thessalonica. And because of this deep love, they said, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves because you had become very dear to us. See, they were sharing everything with them. Um, not just the gospel. Of course, they, got, they preached the gospel. This is why they were there, and this is why they eventually became Christians. But they were not just sharing the gospel. They were sharing their own lives as well. They were sharing everything with them. They were sharing their time with them. They were sharing their troubles with them. They were sharing their hopes and dreams and worries with them, but probably also sharing their food and their money, whatever they had. We read later that they worked for themselves. So instead of being there and demanding Um, them to support them because they were um, well-known missionaries. Instead of that, they were there, and they worked their own professions, and let the people there share in that as well. So when we think about ourselves, do we share the gospel and our lives? Sometimes it's it's so easy to, when when we as Christians, when we share that we just share one or the other. Um, We might be tempted to just share the gospel. We go on the street, we preach it, and we're out. Um, um, Or it might be the other way, that we just share our lives with other people um, instead of sharing with the gospel, instead of sharing the gospel. And do we let other people in? Um, Do we let other people see the challenges that we have, the hopes, the dreams um, uh, that that, that we have? Do we share our lives, not just with the Christians, but also with others? See, um, the missionaries, when they were there in Thessalonica, in the beginning, they were all non-Christians. During that time, some converted, some started following Jesus, some came from a Jewish background, but they were all non-Christians. And Paul was open, and not just Paul, he always says we, we, we. It's not just him, it's all of them. They were willing from the very beginning to share everything with the people around them, both the Christians and the not-Christians. And also another thing is how, um, how much do we love the people around us? 
See, here we read that they had a deep, affectionate desire for the others, a deep love for the others, not just for the one, not just for my spouse or my kids, but for the regular person um, that we meet, the person that we interact with. And then let me come back to something I said earlier. I would say again, it's not something that we have supernatural. It is something that we can pray for and we need to ask God for this love for other people around us. And then in the last few verses, um, Paul talks about the practical things. He says in verses 9 and 10, For you remember, brothers, our labor and toil. We worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaimed to you the gospel of God. Your witnesses and God also how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct toward you believers. So before we start, let me just remind all of us for one thing, like they knew him and they experienced him. So that means that whatever he writes about himself, they had seen. If anything that he wrote about them was not true, they would have, of course, opposed. But Paul can say that they remember, and he calls into their remembrance, how hard they worked. We read earlier that they did not request financial support. Every now and then Paul was financially supported. Other times he was not. But when he was in Thessalonica, they didn't have any support. Instead, they worked with their own hands and financially supported themselves. Um, and also interesting, uh, when we look closely, he talks about how hard, um, he talks about their labor and their toil. Um, it's a very intense word for working hard. And then it says they worked night and day. I mean, I don't know what specifically he means, but I would just assume probably he was a tent maker, right? So probably it looked like he worked as a tent maker during the day and then Bible studies at night. And that was day in, day out, three weeks full time. Um, and then they had to leave. Um, well, we don't know exactly what it looked like, um, but definitely they worked hard there night and day so they, they could support themselves, but not just support themselves, also let other people um, um, experience what they had and, and sharing what they owned. But the other thing that is mentioned here is that their conduct was blameless. See, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they were normal Christians. Um, doesn't mean that Every single second that they were there, everything was right. Uh, probably um, that's not the case. Um, but in general, their conduct, the conduct that, uh, the conduct, sorry, the conduct that they aimed for um, was blameless. And the reason is because they worked so hard on the character, and so much of it came already into fruition. And they, by doing that, they became an example for the Thessalonians, for the church there but also for us. And this is why here we talk about this as a character study. The whole 12 verses tell us which kind of character uh, we are called to and which kind of character we need to develop in order to share the gospel of the people around us. And then it continues and, and closes with verses 11 and 12. For you know how, like a father with his children... We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Here Paul compares himself to a father. We said earlier Paul compared himself to a mother. Now here he compares himself to a father, like a father who cares for his children, a father who is devoted and loving 
and caring and supporting. So what does such a spiritual father do? It says here, um, he encourages, exhorts, and urges other Christians to live lives worthy of God. See that the, the three missionaries, they would, when they were there, they did not just preach the gospel, baptize them, and then head off. No, what they did is they encouraged the believers in their walks with the Lord. They encouraged them um, to, 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 to turn away from their old lives and start um, walking with Jesus. They called them to holiness. And that is something that we as, as, as Christians are called to do as well, as, as well to encourage one another um, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so we see um, Paul and, and, and Silas, they cared about them like parents. They cared about them like a mother cares for her children, like a mother nurses, feeds, and protects, but also like a father who supports and encourages and urges and, uh, the children. And so this is not about gender roles. The interesting thing is when we look, um, there were three men that we read about, and all three of them are compared to a mother and compared to a father. So it's not about gender roles, but it is about caring about others like parents, like a father and a mother care care for their children. And so both we, men and women, are called to care about others like mothers and fathers. And so the last thing is that we read about is we're called into God's kingdom and glory. Because we're called into God's kingdom and glory, um, we need to walk worthy of our calling. See, we are subject, you know, we're already part of God's kingdom. We're called into um, God's kingdom. And as subject, uh, subjects of God's kingdom, we're called to live lives according um, to his plan. And then one day also we will experience, fully experience the glory that comes with God's kingdom. And so at the end, I would like to read again the, the, the quote um, from the theologian James Denny. He says, the character of a Christian is the only capital he has to fulfill his task. In most other professions, you can continue working no matter what type of character you have, as long as your bank account is right. But as a Christian, if you have lost your character, you have lost everything. For us as Christians, if we've lost our character, we've lost everything. But it doesn't mean that we cannot um, gain it back. It doesn't mean that we cannot improve. Uh, and God wants to support us and encourage us in our walk um, to uh, um, in, in our walk to share the gospel. And so what this text teaches us that um, you matter, we matter. We matter here as Grace Church. You individually matter wherever you are because you can have an impact on the people around you. See, Paul and them, they were there for three weeks. And, and a whole church, a whole church that became an example for the whole area just started within three weeks. Paul, they were a lot longer in other cities and Corinth, a lot of problems there. Um, but in, in Thessalonica, they were only there for three weeks. And a huge church started. And then we're called to preach the gospel. Um, we're called to preach the pure gospel. We're called to preach with a pure heart and with good intentions and pure motives. And then Paul calls us to deeply care about the people around us. And this is a love that we can only get from God. It's not a love that we have because we're so good people, but it's a love that we can get from the Father because like the Father loves people, so he wants to give us his love for others. And we're called to 
care for others like a mother or father cares for their own children. We're called to nurture them. We're called to nurture each other, but also the people around us and encourage one another, but also encourage the people around us. And then the last thing is that we're called to walk worthy of the kingdom where we are part of. I would like to pray at the end. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have entrusted us with um, the gospel, Lord. Thank you that you have called us worthy to be your stewards and to take your gospel throughout all the world. Lord, I pray that you give us opportunities here in Vienna. Lord, I pray that you give us courage um, when we lack courage. Lord, I pray that you give us the right words um, to take your word um, to the people around us, Lord. I also pray that we as a church um, would um, have the opportunities to go to other places, to plant new churches, um, and, and to take the gospel throughout all the world, Lord. I pray for each and every one of us. Uh, Lord, help us, um, show us in a, uh, where our character lacks and, and where we need to grow ourselves, Lord. Um, I pray also that, um, that we would have the courage um, to support uh, and encourage and rebuke one another because we're called to be each other, other's guardians, Lord. And thank you for Jesus Christ who um, is um, our greatest sacrifice. Thank you for the gift that we have, that we have a new life and that we are called um, to be your children and, and welcomed into your family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.